0: I um, am going to take us to Genesis 3 today, and what I want to talk about to kind of wrap this up is exposing the enemy in our relationships, exposing the enemy in our relationships. So we know that the word talks about how the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we even know that the Bible says that we don't wrestle against other people, things that we see, that the real fight is what we don't see. But a lot of times, it don't feel like that. Okay, it don't be feeling like that. Don't it feel like, no, it's this person right here in front of me. It don't feel like I can't see it. I'm looking at him, Lord. I'm looking at him. It's that car that cut me off. I just saw him move, Lord. This ain't supernatural. The tires are rolling right here in front of me, Lord. So because of that, what are we going to do with that, y'all? We have to choose. Okay, do I believe that this is actually supernatural, meaning that there is something warring bigger than what's in front of me? We're going to lean into that today. We're going to believe scripture. We're going to believe God's word. And if he says there is something warring that I can't see, then that is what I have to actually believe. If I trust him and we do trust him, amen. So we're going to lean into that. So with that, when it comes to relationships, I was like, Lord, how can I expose the enemy today? Y'all know I try to bully him back whenever I can. And this microphone is one of my favorite ways. Lord, how can I expose how the enemy shows up in our relationships supernaturally, even though we're seeing the person right in front of us? And when I say relationships, it could be a roommate, it could be a parent, a cousin, definitely marriage. But no matter what marital status you are or not today, please notice him. And I want him exposed in your relationships, in the conflict, and the issues that he tries to stir up. Can we lean into that today? Let's go to Genesis 3. Of course, I'm going to Amplify. We're going to go to verse 1. And let's try to expose him. And this is a very popular passage of Scripture, but I haven't read it in the Amplify Bible in a long time. So when I was reading it, I was like, whoa, I'm getting more revelation out of this. And I hope you do today also. All right, so verse 1 says, now the serpent was more crafty. My translation says so. there's now two Amplifieds, Amplified and Amplified Classic. So the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit. So that is how it's broken down, Amplified. Subtle, skilled. That's good. Skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field. So I pause there. Oh, wow. So here comes the enemy who's coming into the garden with a mission. See, the enemy approaches every relationship you have with a mission on his mind. There is always an intent for everything he will accuse and suggest to you. Always. All those thoughts you have, some of them you think are just straight crazy. They are not yours. Now, you may say, well, you saying I can't think on my own? Everything's the enemy? No, everything is not the enemy. But when he shows up, everything he whispers always draws you away from God. So you can recognize him by what is it drawing you to and what is it drawing you from. All right. So he came in more crafty, subtle, and skilled in deceit. And it says, than any living creatures in the field. So this means, first of all, the other living creatures were also subtle and skilled, and maybe some of them also were a little deceitful, but it says he was more so. It also tells me that animals were speaking. I know, we're not going to get too deep. Uh-huh, why do you think they make sounds today? Uh-huh, I do believe it. That's right, because when the curse came, shoo, uh-huh, come on now. Jesus shut Jesus shut that down. You ain't talking no more. All right. So living creatures of the field, which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, we recognize immediately this is not what God said. We can see it now. We're in hindsight. This is so, we're now in a time so much further away than this moment. But I want to expose five things in this passage that I believe the enemy tries to run around us to this day. The first thing he did is he made her question her source. Are you sure? Can it really be? That God said that? Can it really be that God said this would be restored? Can it really be that God said you would be healed? Can it really be that God said that you will have that job? You will not be broke the rest of your life. That your heart will one day be healed. Can it really be? The first thing he did was made her question her source. Now let's think about this. Who was Eve's source? Her source was adam when god gave the word in the garden to not touch that one tree of good and evil eve was not created yet adam had to tell her so when he said to her are you sure he made her question her husband and by doing that in turn questioning god does this mean that every single thing a husband says is from god (laughs) No, but in this moment, it was specifically about a word from him that came through her husband. Now, how many times I'll say this many times as women, we sometimes we know, but we can forget how much power and influence we actually have in the life of a man. Oh, we are powerful whether we married to him or not. Oh, yes, we're powerful. And so what did the enemy do? He didn't talk to Adam. Who'd he talk to? His wife. He knew who he needed to get to, who he needed to begin to plant seeds of doubt with. And it was her. Let's keep going. Verse two. Next it says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of we may eat from the trees of the garden. So here, she recognizes immediately, wait a minute. Why are you talking about what we can't do, but you're saying it about everything here? No, you're wrong. Let me simply correct you, and then we'll be okay. I would imagine that when she responded to him, she thought that everything would be fine as soon as she gave a response. Initially, she didn't even recognize that he was trying to run Look, run game on her. I'm sorry. I do have slang in my messages. (laughs) That He was trying to run game on her, and that's exactly what he did. He told her, look, it's everything. She said, no, it's just the one thing. And what I believe he was doing is simply trying to get her into the conversation. If I can get you to say one thing to me, if I can get you to say one thing back to me, I have an open door immediately to start to work doubt in your heart. Sometimes the biggest thing that we do to allow the enemy into our space, into our mind where the battlefield truly happens is we start entertaining whatever he has to say. Here's how it sounds sometimes. Oh, you know, they did that on purpose. They just trying to get under your skin. They don't really want that. No, you seeing it? No, they just coming for you. They cut you off. They knew you was here. They, all of the accusations, all of the doubt, and as soon as you respond back, yeah, they didn't, they didn't mean that. They just saying that because they coming for me. All these people, they, the man. And as soon as we begin to enter into a place of agreement, we have lost. Can you win it back? Yes, you can. Uphill now. But as soon as you agree with the enemy, you have joined his side temporarily in the moment. But you have given him power to start to move. And that is what we cannot see sometimes. It's where we have to be really, really careful. I was talking to my mom um, a while back and, you know, I'm telling her something that, you know, Pastor Evan was doing to upset me. And I was just like, you know, because he's doing this and that and another and that and another and this. Y'all know how it be, especially, you know, you know, when you don't call somebody, you mad at somebody, you tell, and this and that and that. so mad. And she was like, no, sweetheart, you're not just mad. You're angry. I was like, whoa. And I felt like the Holy Spirit sweep in agreeing with her words. Whoa. She was like. You need to be very careful right now. And I'm like, okay, so my mom is like prayer warrior. So when she says something like this, I freeze. I was like, what do you mean? I'm almost nervous to ask because she could have said I had a dream, and my mom dreams always are prophetic. She was like, your anger can easily begin to turn into immorality. She says, if you don't let this issue go, which what you're talking about, Priscilla, is not the issue. There's something deeper than this you haven't addressed yet. But if you don't let that thing go, quickly the anger can become immorality and you can begin to justify doing things and saying things that are immoral. I said, whoa. So then I started evaluating my whole life. I'm like, hold oh, me make sure I ain't got any immoral. Hold on, hold on. Let me see, check my eyes, okay, my ears. Let me check my, I'm like, okay, okay. I feel like I'm good. Lord, am I good? Okay, I feel okay. So this was a warning. Lord, you're telling me right now that there have been seeds that the enemy has planted. He's made me question something that you have said in your word. I must have started to agree with him so much to where now my heart has gone into anger. And if I don't let this anger go, I am now about to filter everything he does through that thing that upsets me. So, in marriage, relationships... I see him coming in that way very often. Something that um, our therapist said that we had up here speaking last week, if you didn't get to hear it, please go hear it. Um, But she was talking about how some couples will wait until it's like almost too late to bring the relationship back, how they will come to the counselor or the therapist, which is the same thing, and they will say, if this don't work, we're done. They've already gotten to a place where their heart is so hard, there's no room for it to open and unless they are willing to, which means they have to submit. And because their rage, their infuriation is so strong that many times they won't get to a place where they will say, I'm going to begin to submit to God again and open my heart to love again to walk us out of this. Many times it'll stay closed. And what the enemy, I believe, tries to do when he plants that doubt is he wants you to close off. He wants your heart closed. He doesn't want it open to your kids, to your family, to your wife, husband, to your friends. He wants you hard and callous. He wants you cold. And therefore, where you are cold or callous, there is not love there. And without love... We can't move the way we need to move. God can't move the way he needs to move. Let's go to verse 3. Oh, let me speak to this. In verse 2, I'm going to go back. It says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden. Second, what I have here is that he gave her an alternate narrative than God's instruction. Second, the enemy gave her an alternate narrative narrative to God's instruction. I just got a text from Pastor Evan. He does not have COVID. <laughs> uh, he has strep throat. Who rejoices for strep throat? Yeah, Jesus. Look, I love it. And he's still about to be quarantined. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He probably thinking, I, no, you can't. You cannot. Not, sir. All right. I don't want that either. Okay, thank you, Jesus. I want my faith elsewhere, not on my okay throat. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He gave her an alternate narrative for God's instruction. God said one thing. He just twisted it a little and gave her an alternate. Choose this instead. Let's go to verse three. And I don't have that in my notes, so I'm gonna read here. He says, except the fruit from the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it. Otherwise you will die. The alternate narrative that the suggesting here is he is adding things to what God said. God didn't say you can never touch it. He said, don't eat of it. So now he has not truly just, you know, quoted God, as he said, there's always an intent to his mission. So when he says, you can put the scripture back up. When he says, you shall not touch it, what he was doing was making a suggestion. But what it sounded like what he was actually saying, right? It was truly just suggestion. Let me begin to introduce this thought. In marriage, a lot of times it'll be, you know what? We just go ahead and end this. You know, at first I did say we would never divorce, but you know what? Let me think about that. How would my life be set up? You know, at first I said I would never reach out to that ex or call them, but you know what? It's been some time. Maybe they've changed. Let me just, it's just the thought. Oh, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to. So the enemy will present you an alternate narrative. And this brings me to what my mother warned me about, about the anger can turn into immorality. Now I'm justifying. I'm now justifying. I'm so, my heart is so cold here. I am using that, the enemy... Let's be clear, is using that to help me justify my immoral actions. The actions that fall short of where God has called me to. And I will, many times I do this, I will blame him. Oh, it's him. If he wouldn't have, he upset me. I'm tired of this. And so because of that, oh, I can just, I don't got to check in. I can do whatever I want to do. right? We begin, and it seems so innocent at first. So then when they say something, why didn't you tell me? Since when do I have to tell you? Y'all know how it goes down. Since when do I have to? Now what? I am justifying. What is this about? A core issue that the enemy has already planted seeds on. See, this is how we're exposing him today. Let's look at what it really is. There were seeds of doubt that were planted about something in that relationship. Something. And he gave you some alternate, uh, uh, some alternate narrative about it. And then when you start to agree, now he has an open door. And now other suggestions come and they seem okay. Why? Why? Because we've agreed with something that seems true, even though it's not. Just like we said to Eve in the garden, oh, you can't, oh, yeah, that's right. You can't touch it. Let's keep going. Verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. Wow. So now he blatantly disagrees with God. Blatantly. Blatantly. Man, there was a point uh, multiple times in my life where I feel like I started to agree with something that was mainstream, and then later I realized, oh, my goodness, I got duped. God's word says something totally opposite than that. Whoa. Who in the world do I think I am? I can't disagree with God. No way. So why? Why? Why did I allow myself to think that it was okay to not like that group of people? Why did I think it was okay to hurt this or to say this about them? Why? How? No. It's not okay. I had to raise a standard in my life. It's not okay to disagree with God. I don't care what they did. It doesn't matter. God says there's a certain type of treatment everybody should should get. And the baseline of that is love and respect. Doesn't matter who they are, love and respect. Jesus treated murderers, people outcast, rejected, some of the top ranked sins of his day. He used those to demonstrate you still get my love and I'm still going to respect you. Woman at the well. You still get respect. A daughter's woman thrown out, about to be stoned, and I'm still going to respect you. Why? Because Jesus said, you still get my respect. You're getting this truth, though, Pharisees. You're going to catch this truth. You can say whatever you want. That's up to you. I love it. Something else that our therapist mentioned here on the platform last week, and she said Jesus was the most boundary person of all time. He gave everybody choice. He didn't try to force anything, and he's the son of God. Who are we? No, husband, you have choice. Here's the truth from my perspective. You have choice. When we try to control, that's when things start going off the rails many times. You have the choice to choose me or not. You have the choice. Yes. Let's go to verse 5. The fourth point I want to make is the enemy tried to show her that she wasn't good enough. Verse 5, for God knows, he goes on to say, that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will open. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. Man, something that I caught in this passage is where he says You, your eyes will be open. So this speaks to your eyes are now closed. You can't see everything. He then continues to suggest you will have a greater awareness. And then he says, you will be like God. Now we're made in God's image. What he's telling her here is that's not good enough. You will be like God, he says, knowing the difference between good and evil, because what he's suggesting is God is keeping that from you. He says, you will be better than you are today. If you take what I'm saying, you will be better than you are today. You'll be more powerful because you'll know the difference from good and evil. What he is suggesting here is, hey, you step out on your own. The ultimate temptation. Not necessarily um, literally stepping out on our own. But this starts in the heart and mind first. Remember the enemy, we're trying to expose him here. He's working on something. He says, I need you to choose to step away from God's way. That is what I want. And he will use our marriages, relationships, coworkers, family, friends to help aid him in helping us to do that. He says, I need you to step away because you're not good enough like this. But if you come over here, you're more powerful. Doesn't the enemy's way always feel more powerful? You know, I think back in the day, you know, clubbing in 1999, you know, I know, so old, I know, it's all right. 1999. And here I am, uh uh-huh, dropping it. I remember I was going to look for clothes. I wanted the skimpiest thing I could find. I was like, that's too much clothes. I need something metallic. This ain't shiny enough. I found something silver. Uh-huh. This ain't shiny. Okay? Then go to the club. Uh, I just move my shoulders. Uh, dun, dun, dun. And you know what I feel in that moment? Powerful. Oh, yeah. I feel powerful. Hey. I think it's how people feel when they drink. I just happen to not have, not at all, saying that God says you cannot because obviously Jesus wouldn't turn water into wine. That's legit. That's a legit argument. That, that's a legit argument, okay? I just want to be clear. Jesus wouldn't have done it and said, keep the party going. Oh, that was on somebody's. Who? That was a comedy sketch where Jesus touched the water and said, keep the party going. Who was that? Y'all know who that is. Y'all don't want to say. Y'all know what I'm talking about now? I think it might have been Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, and moving on. So I feel all powerful. Dun, dun, dun. I think when people drink, they feel powerful. Dun. That's how they act like they look. Dun, 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 dun. And then as soon as the beverage is gone, as soon as the music stops, shh, nothing. You're left with yourself. The same person you had before it all started that needed to deal with them same issues. That's still in that same torment. And it's like, but I just need to escape for a while. I just need to. No, you added more to it. That's the enemy talking. I just need to escape for a while to, you better preach to what nowhere, but it feels like you did something feels like you went somewhere because what he's saying is the way your everyday life is set up, even with the problems and all the things that I have aided to bring in, you're not good enough. Your problems tell you you're less than you don't have enough money. It's because you are See, you're not as good as that. You see her, you'll never be that. You'll never have that. He will use those same problems and bad decisions we've made to try to tell us who we are. You're not good enough and you serve God. So if you just choose to come this way, I'll make you more powerful. Just like when he tempted Jesus. I, I got this. Step away from that. He asked us to do that with the unity in our relationships all the time. You don't need to be one with them. You don't need to be a team in that marriage. You don't need to be partners. No, you got your own. Stay separate because now you're one step closer to being all the way gone. Come on over here. It's more powerful over here. You got control. Come on now. That's how he is. And he wants you divided. God is a generational God. The day my mom told me, watch out for that anger. I was still feeling mad when I got off the phone. <laughs> the anger didn't leave. But the Holy Spirit was there because I opened my heart up immediately, me like, God, am I missing it? Why am I so mad? Because if I'm this angry, it's taking time. So what is it that I'm really angry about? Boil down to it. I'm searching my heart just means as I'm going through the day working or, you know, cleaning or whatever, my heart is still open. Like I'm keeping, I'm keeping this on my mind. Lord, show me, show me. I'm hearing you. What is it? And I feel like God was saying, there is a control you don't want to let go of. It's like, what do you mean? Control. I give him choice. I'm kind of big on that in my relationship too. Once I got that revelation. No, he has the choice. No, I'm not trying to make him do anything. He's like, you're not trying to make him do anything. But if he doesn't meet that expectation, you are judging him for it. You didn't say nothing. He doesn't see anything, but your heart is walking away. Your heart is going away because you started to agree with a narrative That is opposite of the love and respect I've called you to give the position of husband. You need to address this with him. You need to talk about it. And I was like, I didn't even know it got here. I thought I was good. I thought I was functioning just fine. But the anger was the indicator that said, uh uh-uh, when it got into into a conversation with the person whose spirit was open to God, honestly, constantly, constantly, They could easily see, oh, oh, we got something going on here. The anger was an indicator that God was not present in an area where he needed to be. If he was present, love would have been there, but it wasn't. Anger was there instead. Anger is one of those things that if you find yourself in that state, especially often in a day, you better believe there is something way deeper And there is love that is absent from an area. Ask yourself, why am I mad? I started journaling it. Every time I would get triggered or upset by something he did, I started writing it down. Because I needed to figure out what the baseline root was. What is this? I started writing it down. And then I started to recognize, wow, this is superficial. Okay, let me just say, right, that's dumb. But it felt so right at the time. You know, it felt so, I'm right here. I'm right. You're wrong. And God said, and you let all of that pile up and made you angry. And now, because you are angry, because you are angry, the enemy has complete rule in that area of your marriage. God is a generational God. There was one point I had to realize, yeah, the enemy's coming for me. But he's really coming for my kids. Me, he's been around. He's been trying to come for me a really long time. At this point, it's the next generation. Oh, it's my kids. When I think about it like that, you trying to come for my kids? Oh, all the mamas in the room, don't you come for my kids? because the, the story of their life is still being written. But while he's working in me, trying to harden my heart and get me upset all the time and get me tripping and all of this, they're just three little innocent lives living. And then if I let that anger begin to grow to where I become immoral and I've stepped away from God, I have now begun to be a model and an example of this immoral behavior to my children. Some may say they're not going to see me do this. They don't ever see me do that. I always do it in secret. But then one day they'll ask you for advice and you will hear the justification in your voice. They know you better than you even know yourself. Those kids, all they do is study you. You begin to justify, as my mother spoke of, justifying your behavior. You're talking about it with your spouse. Man, I think they're dealing with this. I think I saw them do this. Well, they're just a boy. It's going to happen eventually. It's the justification because of our own shortcomings. Lastly, let's go to verse 6. Skip down here. And a final point. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food. She changed her mind, y'all. She agreed. And that it was delightful to look at. She began to gaze, fantasize, imagine. And the tree to be desired, and after she fantasized and imagined, she grew a desire for it. In order to make one wise and insightful. Wow. Now, The enemy's suggestions with simple, subtle words and wordplay. And earlier, I think I was quoting part of the scripture that actually Eve was saying about touching it, which came from the initial suggestion the enemy was making. Here, we see what he was truly trying to do. And we know he did it because she ended up stepping away from God. It says, in order to make one wise, is how she saw the tree now, she took some of its fruit and she ate it. That is where the sin came in. She actually ate it. See, before when she is tempted, no sin was committed. There was no sin when she gazed and looked. Now, we know the Bible talks about looking and all of those things. We can't say for sure what the intent of her heart was here, so we can't go there. But we do know that you can look at something and fantasize and lust after it, and it therefore has crossed over into sin because God cares about the heart more than anything, right? That's where things begin the heart of the mind. But here he goes on to say, she took some of the fruit and then she ate it. Wow. But here's one of the most powerful sentences in the whole chapter. She also gave some to who? Her husband. Oh, this church know the Bible. I'm coming. Here I come. With her. (laughs) With her. Adam saw it. He was watching. But that's not the point I want to make today. It goes on to say, and then he what? He, he ate it. I am convinced that all along the enemy was never after Eve, that he was after Adam. I am convinced. Because when Adam ate the fruit, everything shook. When Adam chose to walk away from God, everything began to change. That's when you begin to see fear for the first time in creation. All along, Satan was manipulating one person in the marriage to get to the other. In the moment he chose, Adam chose a woman over God. The ultimate fight of men to this day, women over God himself. Am I going to submit to God, risk not feeling as powerful all the time, that God may be glorified in my life, or am I going to choose to watch these women, to talk to these women, to be with these women even after I've committed in my dating relationship, marriage, these women. Am I going to keep pursuing these women in this way or am I going to actually get real about God? Number one issue that I see men face have to do with their eyes and where they put them. One of the greatest temptations of men today, women or God, their own desire or submission to God. Because of this, I want to give this advice in wrapping up. Wives, pray for your husbands. Husbands, pray for your wives. Those words sound so basic, very simple, not dramatic at all. What they really mean wives, fight the devil off your husband. Husbands, fight the devil off your wives. He's trying to come for her. Friends, Fight the devil off your friends, sisters, parents. Get the devil off the back of your kids. Praying is warring, Even when you feel like your prayer was lazy and didn't do nothing. I don't even know if it got up there. Lord, I'm tired. You still have power. And those words still mean something. Fight him off. Sometimes we think the fighting has to be natural. Let me get them some money to help them. Let me. No. If you ain't prayed, the cycle will continue. Disrupted. Instead of Adam watching his wife entertain this subtle creature, he should have fought for her. Instead of calling her a nag, saying that she's always upset, saying she's a why, why is she always upset? Let's think, why she, Why she always mad? She's warring and probably losing. That's why. Fight for your wife. Don't just sit there. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to be distracted by what's hurting your ego. Distracted by what makes you feel less than. Distracted by how they didn't do this or think of this All of that is topical. Go under the surface. Fight for them. Fight for them. You think they want to be ugly on the inside? You think they want to treat you like... No, they're losing. And they need your help. Fight for them. Does this mean you tolerate being hit or some abuse No, we know there's practical steps. There's things, separation, distance, practical things that need to happen. And while you're doing that, you're still fighting. Are you praying for them? I believe a Christian who really cares about something, prays about it. Now I'm going to take a step back from that because sometimes those statements sound real good, but they're low-key judgmental. I really care for my kids, but maybe I ain't prayed for them in a month. You trying to say I don't care about my kids? Let's break down the spiritual ease for a moment. No, I care about my kids. But if I love them the way God said, I would pray for them. That means if I'm not praying for it, I got to grow. If it's not even a thought to me, when I see my kids struggling with something, to be like, man, let me take this to God. Let me, why? Because many times, especially if it's a child, we think we can fix it. Parents, we try to get in there. No. Are you warring for your kid? Are you fighting the enemy off their back, your friend, your parents? I remember at one point I realized, man, when I was so angry with my parents, I was not close to my mom growing up. We did not have a relationship Um Pretty much at all, I began to really be upset because I'm in all these activities and the highest GPA in my grade and all of this, and you're not showing up for me. You're not at the games. Well, I was cheering. I wasn't playing, but you're not there, Mom. You don't say you're proud of me. You don't hug me. You don't whatever. Whatever. I became an adult and the Holy Spirit showed me in in some amazing service, tears pouring down my face. He's downloading in my heart. He's like, because your mom is fighting and she hasn't been winning. She doesn't want to not be there. She doesn't want to not, but there is something she still needs freedom from, daughter. And guess why you are aware of this? You need to help your mom fight. You need to help your parents in my 20s and realize are you serious and then when he said it i'm not even going front i was mad help them (laughs) they bible school trained they should know better it's the enemy same thing they should know better why is it that they not doing better lord why i gotta help them that's a real common one he gives It's not on me and he says it doesn't matter why they haven't won that's between me and them but you have a charge to cover them you Priscilla you have to fight there are times in my life honestly even in my marriage where I was like I'm tired of being strong I'm tired of being strong. I'm like, you do it yourself. I'm done. I don't want to fix it no more. And when I got to that place in my heart, God had to deal with me again. I'm just being real. And God was like, sweetheart, I made you strong. Because you need to use your strength. And you need to fight for every woman at Faith for Life that crosses your heart, that you know needs help. You need to fight for every marriage you see crumbling, even if you feel like they keep putting themselves in the same spot. You need to fight for those people. You need to do everything you can. I have given you the strength. I will give you more. God is saying that to you today. I've given you the strength, God says. Please hear this, and I will give you more. You have enough strength to fight for your marriage, to fight for your kids, to fight for your parents, to fight for your friends. What does that mean? That means praying. At one point, I had to actually start praying on my knees again because I noticed it got too casual for me. I wasn't connecting. I had to actually, well, I had to get a rug because the way my knees set up now. So I had to get some. But I was like, I'm doing it for you, Lord. I'm get down here, Lord. Okay. Hoo. I said, Lord, you know this put us on the clock. We on the clock if I'm on my knees, Lord. I do feel him smile sometimes in my heart. I was like, you know how I Okay, Lord. But I began to pray more for real. And I could see differences. And if I could see it, that means God's doing something way bigger underneath. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.